Welcome to Speaking Our Peace, the podcast that brings you into conversations with nonviolence activists from around the world. In today's episode, Annie Luck speaks to Sydney Kairu, who is a visual artist from Kenya. Sydney was one of the international marchers with Jay Jugget 2020, the year-long march that started on October 2nd, 2019, with the original plan to arrive in Geneva a year later. The pandemic ended the foot march in Armenia in March of 2020. Sydney talks about why he wanted to be part of the march in a country he had never visited before, and he shares some of his stories about the experience. He talks about how this experience of marching for nonviolence and peace has given him a renewed appreciation for some of the peace activists in Africa. Since going home at the end of the march, Sydney has been busy with his own community work, and he would like to be able to rejoin the march when it resumes later on. Oh, where do I begin? Um... So my name is Sydney. I come from central Kenya in a place known as Limuru, which is a tree growing area and horticulture. It's so green anyway. And I am a visual artist as a talent, but I have a background in business information technology from Strathmore University. And basically it's 70% computer science and 30% commerce merged into one degree. How did you end up, you know, signing up for a year-long march. Oh, wow. Yes, yes. Okay, to answer that, I think I need to go a little bit back to when I, I was in, in university. So in university, there was a club known as the Community Outreach Program. And every Saturday, students used to come back to school and they would go to visit children's homes, uh, homes of teenage mothers or rehabilitation centers of street uh, urchins. And we would also go to maximum prisons in Kenya and would have this kind of exchange and play games, even soccer matches inside prisons and understand how crime happens. We would also understand about communities when you go to children's homes and we would wash and partake in all activities. Also, we used to have programs where we used to go for like three weeks out of our you know, learning schedules. And we would go to communities and build houses and would have exchange with students from, let's say, Spain or Northern Ireland and would build, build community centers. We would also have separate other work camps, which were different from working. And it was more of mentorship. And that's where I grew the wholeness to become more vocal because as if maybe you're not telling, you, can, you cannot tell by now, but I'm an introvert. So that's where I get that grill of understanding students, being confident, talking to them. Uh, so fast forward to that, I then joined the United Nations and there, so that different skill altogether. And there I met people who guided me and I started to become more into uh, understanding how organizations work and how, what's, what's the people behind the programs. Then after that, I was able to join into sports and um, marathon running and long distance running. Maybe right now, I will explain later why that is important. When I finished my internship, <laughs> I did two more months of community service and building. And that's when I met uh, Stefan Schneider, who is working for an NGO known as Ecolog. And he sent me a message and said, by the way, there is a long year match which is happening. Would you be interested? But I'm giving you three days to make a decision. <laughs> wow. <laughs> so what, okay. what went so through I your mind in three days? 
at the time I was thinking of maybe enrolling to do a master's program like write for scholarships and find ways I could be able to go around that. So that was what I wanted to do. But then I asked myself, can I be able to do this? So the first instinct, because I come from a sporting background, I was like, am I physically able to walk for a whole year? And that's when I, the connection comes with running long distances with the UN people. Then I realized, yes, I'm fit enough to do this. Now the other question was mentally, am I prepared to do this? And I was like, obviously not, I've not done this before. So it was more like a challenge and I wanted to learn. So I said, why not? So I answered within an hour actually, I didn't wait for three days. I told him, why not, let's do this. What did, you t what did the rest of your family you know, think of that? Wow, it was, it was crazy because my mother and my brother were like, okay, you are crazy, but you know, it's your life. You want to do this? Fine. We support you. You go and do it. But give us periodic updates what's happening there, how it's, how it's like in India, you know? Yes. <laughs> but they were very supportive. For, I mean, I'm amazed that someone who calls himself an introvert decided to go to a year-long march with a bunch of strangers in a foreign country and going out to meet even more strangers <laughs> as you walk. How was it like for you? Like, you know, I mean, that's just, that's just, that doesn't quite match. So like, how did you make yourself do this? So I think it's a kind of push that we, I had uh, deep within. And because I had interactions even in high school, because I used to be given leadership positions, actually, all my schooling years, despite the fact that I was an introvert. And I think that gave me the push because I have like these two sides that I can be able to maneuver and participate in this kind of exchange. arrived in Delhi right yes exactly when was that I would say it was on the 22nd of September yes so what was your first impression when you landed in Delhi wow okay not to sound a bit negative but <laughs> when I arrived in Delhi I saw a lot of people but once I get, got out of the terminal of the airport and you can find the tuk-tuks on all these taxi people there was so much noise all of a sudden and i was feeling there was a difference in air you know like here i come from a region which is 2100 meters above sea level so it's fresh and green so when i reached there the air was like oh yes <laughs> and there was too much noise but it was quite overwhelming for, uh, for me yeah. how did you so when did you meet the other marchers right away as soon as you you got to delhi Oh my goodness, that was another big hustle. So the thing was, I was to call Ian once I reached. <laughs> when I reached, I forgot to buy a SIM card once I was inside the airport. Oh, no. So when I got out, I couldn't call. Oh, no. <laughs> and I was begging this guy who was operating a telecom there, please 
just give me a call for this person. I don't know. I don't have money right now. Oh <laughs> I had to even not exchange currency to Indian rupees. So it was a tough thing. And I waited for for four hours there, the bunches or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's you waited four hours at the airport? Yes, but finally the guy allowed me to make a call after he saw that I was suffering too much. So he's like, okay, come, come, let me help you. Oh, no. <laughs> well, that's quite, that's quite a start. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. So when, did you, when you met with the rest of the marchers, um, what was your impression? Did you think, you know, did you ever have a moment before the start thinking, what have I got myself into? <laughs> Not really, you know, I'm kind of the person who, like, I've been into uh, very difficult situations in, in work camps before. So when I got there, I was like, and I've interacted with other foreigners before. So when I reached there, it was more like, yes, the thing that struck me was these people were quite older than me. Like, there was a big generation of girls, except two people. So I was like, okay, let's see. I bet these people are crazy as I am because they, are, they have signed up for this thing, you know? So the thing for me in the back of my mind was like, how long will I be able to see how much crazy they are for participating in such a thing? <laughs> so who did you make friends with from the beginning? Wow, Jan was quite friendly to be honest because we had some back and forth emailing before I had actually come. I was quite good with Claire. Veronique, we got to understand each other a bit uh, later, but we were quite also close with, with her. And generally, I would say all of them were a, bit, a bunch of fun people and very diverse. Yeah. So when you started walking, you know, your, your running training kicks in. And so were, were you mentally prepared for, you know, for this? Because I heard like the, the walks were long. It's like, you know, you were walking close to 30 kilometers a day. That is... That, it takes a long time. How, how did you, did you feel like you were, you, you were ready for it? Ah, yes, but it's in a twist. You see, like here in Kenya, before I came, I was doing around 60 to 80 kilometers a week, you know? So I was physically ready, but the thing was, we were taking longer to finish a distance I would take in two hours or something, you know? Like we were taking the Because you're not, you're not running, you're walking. <laughs> Yes, you're walking, exactly. And you have to go and wait somewhere for lunch and eat, and you have to rest for two hours. And also, there are people who are older than you, so you have to reduce the pace and walk in a you know, manageable fashion. So you couldn't just say, I'll, I'm just going to go ahead and see you in like five hours? <laughs> no, not possible. You don't know the GPS, you're not speaking the language. <laughs> So how did you how did you get used to kind of a different pace of moving? Oh, I quickly like uh, took my default setting, which is usually like to observe first, sink in, and realize that you're not in your own context where you can do things as in a hurry the way you are used to, and no, go with the rhythm. You know, it's like it's like a beat. You go with the rhythm of how the things are going, and that's how I, I took that approach.
So, what kind of visual art do you do? I I would say I started with painting using acrylics and watercolors, but then I quickly also switched on lately to using a tablet. So I'm doing visual arts using digital art. Oh, that's fantastic! So were you so since you're walking at a slower pace, were you were you doing art and walking at the same time? No, 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 no. So at that thing, I would say I was in hibernation mode. Like, you know, like how animals are in winter, they just hibernate. So the thing was, I was just observing, thinking in a lot of these cultural you know, ex, um, things that I was seeing and visualizing and just uh, recording them in my cognitive mind. It must be just like an overwhelming kind of input of senses because like you said, you're in a different place. There's so many people. It's such a different experience. So like it's for, for, for an artist's eye, it must be just so like so much information to absorb. Exactly, exactly. And also because of my, you know, my introverted nature, what kicks in first when I go to a place for me to acclimatize quite well, I have to really observe and for that you need just to be like low-key you know observing sinking and there's a big power in silence you know some people like say oh why this person is so quiet but there's a big power in in being silent and uh, observing and sinking all all these things inside you know yourself so what were some of the images that that really struck you in the beginning or just through throughout your your march experience what were some of the images that that are still like staying with you Wow, this okay. So, when you read about the statistical uh, population of India, you realize it's bigger in population than the entire of Africa. So, when I reached there, my yes, so when I reached there, I was like, there are so many, many people, I bet there's no land. But once we were passing through Madhya Pradesh, I could see big chunks of land and I could see people using tractors. And it reminded me of old days in Kenya when I used to see tractors. So I was like, wow, they still have a lot of land. You know? So that was like something that was mind-boggling for me. Wow. So did you finally, I assumed you came out of hibernation at some point that you started painting again? <laughs> yes, slowly by slowly, but I don't think I painted quite a lot, to be honest. Oh. I would say I did like five images wow. or less, to be honest. Uh, so what, what did you paint? I mean, I, obviously we can't see them, but um, on the podcast, but, you know, can you describe some of them? Why, why did you choose to paint these ones? Oh, right, right, right. So mostly I, I tend to paint children and women, and it's because children and women tend to be more expressive, you know, uh, facial expressions or the, the, the way they wear, they're more colorful. Men tend to be a bit conservative in color and expression. So I drew a woman, I remember there's a woman I drew who had come to march with us for I think two or three days when we were heading to a place called as Chanderi. And she had a big bag with her and she would say, let us help you. And she would say, no, 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 I can, I can carry it. So I observed how she was interacting and also I could, there's a time I went and saw how she was explaining a play and I was motivated and so I drew, I drew an illustration of so what were, like, can you share some of the stories that you, like, I think you also visited villages and met lots of different people. Um, what, what are some of the stories that, um, that are really standing out for you? Right, right. 
Okay. What I also liked about Jajaga, they at least gave me an opportunity to some days to run. You know, some days of the week I used to run. And you can, you can walk faster. <laughs> yes, you can walk faster. <laughs> and uh, what struck me was usually when I used to go to these places and I reach uh, the sleeping place where people would come later on by five o'clock. Mm-hmm. I'd spent already the whole day there, you know, interacting with the people. And I used to talk with young boys when I reached there. And we had, I can't explain that bond. You know, like when somebody can't ex- uh, phys- uh, speak your language quite well, but he is curious enough to know, where are you from? Let's draw with you something, you know? And we used to play with them. I also remember in Laritpur in Ultra Pradesh, there were some small girls, like there were four sisters aged between 13, 10, and I think nine. And they had been previously told that I draw. So what happened is they bought me some paintings not just one, like like six different packets of paint of paints which had six uh, different colors in it, and I was so moved. I I still can't really believe they did that. found out that the march had to stop because of the pandemic how what, what was going through your mind right where were you all right we were in Yerevan I can remember and I was out with, uh, we had gone out with with Veronique for a stroll and when we, we were told that there was a big news being given so you better come back we came back and was yeah and the news had already been given and we were seeing people in this gloomy side and facing down and crying. i realized that quickly that i don't know it's because of how i've been raised but i realized that people were grieving quite a lot and were crying and giving hugs for me grief takes a bit longer to to sink in so at then my face was still like the way i'm talking to you right now although inside I was feeling like this one-year journey has just, you know, ended, you know, and it meant, I could see it meant quite a lot to some, to majority of the people, it meant something to them in every individual, it meant something to them. And I could just see that their dreams were shattered and there was a lot of sadness. And I felt, I felt actually more sorry for them than I felt for myself. But then, yeah, right, yes. And then when I reached here, that's when it started you know, sinking in. When you reach in your own country, like, okay, now the chance. You have to restructure again. You have to rethink again. When did you get back home? I would say on the 17th of March. Wow. Wow. Yeah. It must be just so different. Because, I mean, still, from September to March, you were away for six months. Yes. Just six, roughly, six, I think 5.5 months, I, I would say. Yeah. Did you feel like a bit of a different person going home in March? Not really, but when I came, when I stayed like for a week, you know, I, I came back and there were two options once you came back and you were tested. If you were okay, you were to go for 
self-quarantine in your own place, in your own home. But if your temperature was fine to be a bit high, then you could government quarantine for 14 days. So within 14 days, I was just at home in my own room and you know sanitizing and I couldn't touch the other things that the people in my house were touching. Then after that, that's when you start to realize that there's some changes that you experience in your own life. Like you'd start thinking about your own local heroes in Kenya and those who had written, especially in my community, uh, people who had fought for land rights, like Wang Professor Wangari Madai who was given the Nobel Peace Prize. And that came because I could see in India how they were you know, idolizing Gandhi and how they were following his principles. And here we do have also our own principles and things like the Ubuntu philosophy. So it made me more in tune with those sides and to appreciate also what we have as Africans here, because it's quite rich anyway. Would you go back to the march um, when it resumes or, you know, if it's going to, to resume in 2021? Yes, if the opportunity avails itself, if it, uh, the financial uh, doors open mm -hmm. as well, why not? Because there's a lot of uh, uh, things that go into the fabric of allowing you to go anyway. And if the visas allow me as well, because, you know, right. our passport is quite difficult to go as opposed to Canadians and Europeans. Indeed, yeah. indeed. Yeah. So let's hope all those things align. Well, I will cross my fingers for you as well. <laughs> so what have you done with the artwork that you created during the march? Have you shared with other people? Yes, I occasionally share in my Facebook and I see that comments from people in India as well. And they tell me Jindabad and all these encouraging words and comment. So I, I, that's how I try once in a while to, to post something that I have done. So what have you been keeping busy since you got home back in March and come out of quarantine? All right. I'm doing a research in my own village because we also have a university in my village known as St. Paul's University. And I'm doing a, a research about local economic fabric and I'm trying to create a community center. So I'm writing a proposal and once that is happens, maybe I can get funding from foundations and people and maybe next summer, who knows, I can start constructing a center for other people in my village. Wow, can you talk a bit more about this center? What what do you want this to do? All right. So in the area, even though it is not in, uh, how do I say, in a sort to say, you know, when you, people view Kenya, there's that bridge of, there's the region which is dry and there's a region which is fertile. Our region is fertile, but there's a lot of unemployment and the things that uh, youths are facing. And also the, those kind of youths who don't go to universities, they just go to vocational centers. So what I'm trying to bring is a center that would embrace all forms of arts in relation to theater, poetry and we can be able to have dialogues. We can also collaborate with St. Paul's University and do research. We can do ICT in the area because Kenya is quite good with ICT as well. And that's basically what I want to bring. At least I want the center to assist me and many other young people. We can also do things to do with vertical or permaculture in our region because you know land is becoming less and you can learn a lot from women as well. So. That's what I'm trying to, to bring in the, in the area. Let me ask you my last question. So mes what messages would you like uh, people to take from your experience um, being part of the Jai Jagat March? Right, I would say 
more or less trust in your own voice and in your own process of seeing things because simply because some people are talking and some people are not talking doesn't mean that you don't know things that's one and be confident in what you can offer don't be intimidated by you know if you can see somebody still learning than you are you still have something to offer and there's no challenge big enough that can hinder you the the, the limitation that you do have it's not in the physical or the skills that you have it's in your mind so once your mind is set you can be able to accomplish anything and you also learn by mistakes you don't get it right in the first time and that's that's it you have to have that spirit anyway also believe in your strength as well and when you when you believe in your own abilities you can be able to come to be confident in yourself and and there's a lot you can learn uh, and um, I, I enjoyed the, the whole experience with this the vast the many challenges I enjoyed the whole experience thanks for listening we hope this inspired you if you want to talk about it, you can reach out to us anytime through email at speakingourpeace at gmail.com or feel free to reach out to us on Instagram or Twitter at Our Peace Podcast. You can find us on Facebook by searching for Speaking Our Peace. This podcast is produced by Annie Luck, Ashima Vishnoi, Priya Joshi, and Reva Joshi. We're supported by IGINP Canada. Our music is made by Sunbear. Until next time.